0: You guys look good. After a little break, we, we were intentional to take a Thanksgiving break, which I think is, is good. We really have a high value for you guys living full lives. And holidays are oftentimes where we, I don't, want, I don't want there to feel like there's obligation to attend church when you could be with family and you could be with friends doing things like that. So we're doing the same thing through Christmas. And so it's really a celebratory kind of idea. The idea that you being with your family, you being with friends, you being out doing things, is really part of God's idea. It's not just about what we do in this room. So so treat it as such. Celebrate during the season. Um, don't feel like you have to do you know three hours of prayer since you didn't have church on Sunday. It's okay. He he knows <laughs> what you're up to and he likes it. Alright. So during our break You guys ready can you see that all right good kind of Peter's greatest hits that's what we're talking about today Peter's greatest hits Um, during our break my I think four of our five kids threw up at some point and all of them were sick for multiple days and then they're all better now and then they gave me a cold so i thank you guys so much. This was such a lovely, lovely stretch. For those of you who are on the path towards children, they give you many things, many things. They give you a lot of joy, they give you a lot of laughter, and then they give you a lot of germs. That's their, that's their gift, their DNA. Um, really excited to share with you guys this morning. I, I, I'm so appreciative. I, I will say, we took last week off, but I really missed you guys. I missed seeing you guys. I missed the worship time together. I just I missed his presence in this place. It's different than at home or you know in your car or whatever. Um, So it's just good to be back. It's good to see all of you. Um, You guys are entering into a a beautiful season with holidays coming. Uh, So let's let's just appreciate those that we have here while we're here, right? All of us are. There's so many of us that are in transition in terms of career or school or where we live and all those things, I just encourage you guys, slow down, slow down. For the holidays in particular, slow down and embrace and appreciate the people that God has put you in contact with, in connection with, because it's not always forever. It's temporal. It it often is temporal. Some are forever, but not all. So just slow down and really embrace and enjoy the people that you're around. It'll make this holiday so much better for everybody. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into Peter's greatest hits, because Peter had a few, and we're going to talk about what that means for us. And so, Father, I just, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for each one that's come, that you've drawn, you've brought us here with real beautiful intention. And so we're endeavoring to slow down and celebrate one of your heroes, one of the people you said did it best, and... Um, hopefully be inspired and encouraged by his life story. We love you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to read one scripture to you, and then we're going to go through kind of rapid fire, but I'm going to slow down when we do it. Let's go to the first slide, Alex. I'm going to read one scripture, and then I'm going to ask you guys a question. So this is Matthew 4, 18 through 20, and it says, this is talking about Jesus. It says, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Say, fishermen. Okay, not not a profession many of you from the time of your youth thought that you would pursue. Culturally, it was a more common profession in his day. They lived on a lake, that's why fishing is a common thing. Um, So Peter had a career. As a fisherman, we also know if we read a little bit more, he had a wife as well. He had a family. He was planted as a career fisherman with his brother, so a family business on a lake in a smaller part of the country. And he was doing just fine. He was minding his own business, fishing. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, say immediately. They left their nets and followed him. All right, go to the next slide. I want to consider today qualifications that were involved in maybe Jesus's choosing of Peter and more so Jesus's continued choice of Peter beyond just this engagement in this moment. And I also kind of did slash greatest hits because I want, to, I want to put the idea in front of you and I want you guys to wrestle with me and think for a moment about qualifications. What it means to be qualified to bring and carry the kingdom of God in a measure that may be heroic in its levels. Okay? If we talk about Peter and we know the whole story of his life, we know he, was, he ended up being like one of the great giants of the faith. He was one who brought Christianity to the Gentiles. We talked about that like a week or so ago where the Holy Spirit prompted him and he led the church into a whole new era, whole new epoch. He was brave. He was courageous. He was mightily used by God. And so my question in just a real natural, normal human level is like, why? What was it about him that was different? What was so different about him than me? why did he see all of these wonderful things, and maybe I desire to but haven't yet, the first place I go is qualification, naturally. He was qualified to do these things, right? Otherwise, if he was disqualified, he wouldn't have done it. Just keep it simple. Let's keep it like math. You're qualified, you can do it. If you're disqualified, you can't. Peter was obviously chosen to do, and he did, some amazing, amazing things. Here where it starts is a place of crazy simplicity. Crazy simplicity. If, you, if you'd spend time and read everything you can about Peter in the Bible, you'll find out he and his brother had been paying attention. They had been like sparked with the idea that the Messiah was coming. But I'll tell you a secret, that wasn't unusual. There was John the Baptist doing this repentance thing in the wilderness. The Bible says, like, all Israel went out there. All of Israel repented. So he was, let's just call him a good Israelite. He was a good guy who was sincere about his faith. Does that distinguish him from the thousands of others? Maybe the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of others. I don't think so. I really don't. And I want, to, I want to drive this point kind of into your thinking because I want you to understand, Jesus picked a normal person. He picked a normal person. And as we begin to look at his greatest hits, the things that we remember most about Peter we will find that he was way too normal to be doing what he ended up doing. You guys, can, can you celebrate with me the idea that before Peter obeying the Holy Spirit, going to the Gentiles salvation was only for one group of people on earth. Can you appreciate that? Can you understand the significance of that? And it wasn't even like the most populated group of people on earth. It was a very small niche group that God had preordained and chosen. That's the story of Israel. That's the story of God's chosen people. It's a beautiful story. It's a strange story when you think about it from just like a human perspective. You're like, why would he choose them? That's the whole magic of the whole thing is that God can do whatever he wants and he chose them. But then there's this moment in history where one person is prompted by the Holy Spirit to go open the door for not just maybe another neighborhood, like I'm assigned to Cal because I go to Cal. Not just that. It was like, no, you're going to actually open the door to all of the rest of humanity through this one act. You say, well, that's... That sounds pretty grandiose. Do you think he understood it was that significant? I think he did. I think he knew that when he, um, sorry, there's like a wolf coming in the back door. All right, he walked away. It's okay, he's on a leash. There's like a big dog on a leash coming in. I just didn't see the leash right away. Totally normal here, don't worry about it, everything's fine. Don, if you could guard me from getting attacked by a wolf, that would be awesome. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, think, I think Peter knew it was a big deal. I think he knew that if he opened the door and said, hey, salvation could be yours, he would have been violating every like, fiber of his being, his, his generation's inheritance and understanding of how God chose people. So it was a big, big deal, but he was qualified to do that at that point in his life. But I wanna consider how did he get there How did he get to the point where God said, you are now capable of doing one of the most important things in the history of humanity on my behalf? And I want to set the stage for you if you're not asking the Lord to use you to do some of the most significant things in history on his behalf. You're missing an opportunity because truthfully the Lord is no respecter of persons He didn't look out and look for qualifications in the way we would, that's what we're gonna focus on. He looked out and he chose because he knew the heart deep inside of the man was willing. And so for you, as you're living your busy life, I would challenge you to consider yourself in Peter's lineage, consider yourself normal like Peter, consider yourself capable because he was capable. And if you don't, you've got a problem. And your neighbor's going to tell you you've got a problem because your life was not designed to be lived in just average acceptance into heaven. And then I get there and it all begins once it's over. Your life was designed to be transformed, saved, salvation comes to you. And then the Lord begins to work in and through you to do wonderful things, whatever those could be. And there's a whole world of imagination that can go into that. There's a whole world of people groups. There's a whole world of invention, creativity, talent, all these things that God is waiting for people who will qualify in his view to do those things. Okay, so now let's think for for a moment. I want you in your own mind to think about your own set of qualifications that you feel are kind of just unspoken or spoken they're really there in your relationship with God that maybe, in your view, if I was to say it, I'll say it a couple different ways, but one way is what's keeping you from doing the wonderful works of the Lord. That, that can be a, a vantage point into the way you think you qualify or don't qualify. And I'll, I'll give you a hint. You may not be right in your thinking. You may not understand how God qualifies people, but you might be quick to answer, oh, I'm not qualified because... And then you turn and you look at your qualification set and go, well, here's a few things. Here's a few few things I'm working through, working on, or I've chosen that kind of held me back. That's normal. But I'll tell you, I want to challenge that thinking today. The other thing would be maybe not why aren't you succeeding, but maybe the things that you've dreamt of that are ahead of you that God maybe has dropped into your heart, the visions you may have had, maybe it's dreams, but God is—he's given you an idea about what you're capable of and who you could be. And then I would ask you the question, what qualifications have you yet to earn or gain or succeed in or, or do that will lead to that ultimate thing happening in your life? And as you think about those, I would challenge you to say, you may not be right. Let's look at Peter, and at the end of it, I'll ask you, are you right about your thinking about how you're qualified or not? Okay? Are you ready? Elijah's ready. All right, good. He gave me the quiet nod. I like it. (laughs) All right, qualifications. Oh, it's hard to see. Thank you, Apple. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Do you guys remember this great hit in Peter's life? I mean, epic, epic moment where he literally walks on the water. You go, qualification? Yes, epic choice, Peter. You did it. You said something that no one else in the boat was thinking to do. You did it. You walked out there. You were brave. You're courageous. You had faith. We saw you sink, but let's ignore that for the moment. It was amazing what you did that day. So Peter, when we're talking about what qualifies you to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and change humanity forever, that is on the list. Qualified. All right. Let's just put one in the category of epically great faith act. He did it that night in the storm for about two minutes. It was epic. So epic that they wrote it down. Everyone marveled at it and said, wow, look what's possible When you say the right thing, do the right thing. When Jesus is walking on water near you, just make sure you do the same. Peter showed us, wow, what a great man of faith. What did it amount to in that moment? What came out of that moment? Did the fish, like, jump in the boat and they were fed for months? It was just kind of like a conversation ends up happening between them. He's like, you fell in the water because you, you know, you, you did. You didn't quite do it quite right. Let's get back in the boat. Let's go to the other side and we'll start our tour on the other side. Not much came of the moment, but the story. It's an interesting problem. If I walked on water, you better believe for the rest of my life, I would have like a video that I'd say, hey, have you, here, let me show you something. This, this is what God's... I would use it everywhere I went. I would tell the story all the time. I don't know what it amounted to though, other than this crazy odd moment or Peter walks on water to accomplish what? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's accomplished naturally in that moment. There's some spiritual like churning that's going on. Peter's maybe confused about sinking. The disciples that were in the boat are watching, going, "Wow, that's OK, different level." Everyone's challenged, I imagine, probably even Peter, for having walked out there and then fallen in in cold, wet storm. Then the storm stops, and everything is like, what is going on? I just wonder, when you are building your resume list of what qualifies you to do the great works of the Lord, are you holding on to these momentary items? Maybe God uses you, works with you, does something, but it's like that. And you look back to that, and you go, I was amazing then. If I could string a a series of events together together, where I was so faithful, so explosively daring, then then, I would, then it would start to make sense. If Peter could have just stayed on top of the water, and then maybe they would have walked ashore, maybe it would have been more logical. But Peter's story is not logical. God's qualification for people to choose them, not logical. Let's look at another hit from Peter's life. Do you also wish to go away? This is Jesus talking to the disciples. The story was, Jesus has the Beatitudes, he has the huge crowds, the followers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, like so big that they're kind of roaming around like a mass of people following Jesus and they're probably like Messiah, Messiah, like we're gonna do this, we're taking over, are taking over. So then Jesus, in his wisdom one day, gets up and was like, You, if you're going to be with me, have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. No explanation, no context. Everyone's like, What? (laughs) What's he talking about? And Jesus is like, Yep, you got to eat my flesh. That's this body. You got to eat it. And you got to drink my blood. Okay, too much. (laughs) Too weird. So weird that most of that huge crowd that had been following him around for a long time goes, I'm out. This is just strange. He must be like a magician, a warlock. He must be, he's, he's working miracles. We get that. That's why we're here. He says weird, amazing stuff. I don't know what he's into, but this is, I don't understand and I'm uncomfortable. And then he turns to Peter and he goes, do you also wish to go away? What does Peter do? He goes, I can't go away. I know that you're the Savior. I know that you're the Messiah. Where am I going to go? I know it deep in my heart. Point, Peter. Epic response, Peter. You stuck it out. You stuck through crazy confusing things that happened as a result of you following the Lord. Have any of you ever had crazy confusing things that happened and you're like, surely this wouldn't happen if I was following the Lord. But you know, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm following him. This is crazy that this is happening. And Jesus turns to you kind of quietly and he's like, so, do you want to go away now? Now that it's getting a little weird? Now that things aren't quite clear for you? And, and what an amazing act of courage and faith for Peter to go, I do not understand, but I know in my heart who you are. So I will not go away. God values that. That's good. Every single one of you have had that opportunity. Now, every single one of us have succeeded and in our hearts have said, I don't fully get this, but I just feel like it's right and I'm going to keep on. And then there's been seasons where you go, I don't feel fully get this and I'm going to take a break because this is just weird and way too much. And you would be just like Peter, the disciples, and everyone else that were attempting to follow Jesus in this season. Okay, so let's give Peter a second point. I think he's earned two points here. If we're going on a point scale for qualification. All right, what's next? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So this is the the famous one. This is the famous, famous one because this is where Peter actually gets his new name. Jesus is asking them, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter goes, You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, that's right. Only heaven could have revealed that to you. That is why you are now Peter, Petros. You're no longer Cephas, Peter, Uh, Simon. You are now going to be the rock. And also that truth that you just said is the rock. And it's a big Catholic Christian debate. If you want to get deep into it, you should. But basically Jesus is like, that's true. That's good. And... It's really powerful because it was the first time someone in Jesus's presence was like, you are who you say you are. And you haven't even really said that you're the Messiah. I have identified it in my heart. And Jesus is like, you got it. It's in there, it's in there. Point number three, Peter. Next slide. I will make three dwellings here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, Peter on top of the mountain, transfiguration. We have Jesus physically, spiritually, we don't know. He is, he is materialized with Moses and Elijah before Peter's very eyes. Peter, in all of his wisdom, was like, we should build a monument here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. And then, and then God himself talks and was like, hey, just honor my son. This is my son honor my son. Um, I, I brought this one up because I think it's really funny, because Peter's response was absolutely wrong. It was completely wrong. He was, he was actually talking over the company he was with. If it, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are standing there, do you start saying, hey guys, we should do this right now, right now? Stop what you're doing. I know you're talking, but whoa, this is a big moment. We should memorialize this. That is the wrong response. And then as he's talking, God the Father starts talking over him, shuts him up to the point where he falls on the ground in fear and terror because that voice had so much authority. I'm going to give Peter a negative one on this one. It was cool that he was in the room, but he had no idea how to handle the presence of God, the revelation of what was happening in that moment. It was so above him, so beyond him. Everything in him was natural, natural. Like, we got to build a monument right now. This, this is what matters, this physical earth. You guys are standing on this earth. we got to remember this. You go, well, yeah, he was kind of thinking like what they did in the Old Testament when an angel came. They'd, they'd build a monument of stones. It's like, give the guy some credit it wasn't right. It wasn't right. His heart was right, but he wasn't ready for that level of interaction. And that's okay. That's okay. It was the first time. I don't know how any of us would react. Who knows? I'd start giving him recipes about pie. I like, guys, you really need to know this. It's important to me. Like Vince, stop. Just stop. It doesn't matter. Like just chill out and listen. What is happening here is way above you. You're just lucky to be in the room. So Peter, negative one, didn't handle that all that well, but it was cool that he was there. All right, let's go to the next one. Jesus, you will never wash my feet. These are Peter's words. Jesus is now entering the final stages of his earthly ministry. He says, I know that the cross is right around the corner. They've returned to Jerusalem, and Jesus is, is actually preparing for his own crucifixion. The disciples have no idea what's coming. They think it's time for us to take over. Peter, when Jesus says, like he, Jesus does the thing where he's got his robe, he's ready, he's starting to wash people's feet, his disciples, Peter's like, you will never do this. This is not gonna happen, Jesus. I am the one that washes your feet. And Jesus goes, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're not even part of me you could never be part of this thing. Like, you're missing the whole point. Like, I have to come to cleanse you and restore you. You don't have the capacity to cleanse me and restore me. It was spiritual versus natural. The natural thing makes sense. It's like, come on, come on. Like, Jesus, you're not, you're not cooking dinner tonight. I'm cooking dinner, like, chill out. No, 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 no. This was a spiritual act. Peter had no clue it was a spiritual act. And this is the last, like, week of his time with Jesus after years of walking with Jesus. I'm gonna give Peter a negative two here. And I wanna give him a negative two because Jesus for three years has been saying, guys, this is not about natural. This is about spiritual. You have to understand when I'm doing something, I'm doing what the Father is telling me to do. There is spiritual value, there's eternal value in my actions. Once you can divorce yourself from life on earth first, embrace and join yourself to life in heaven first and understand that if we act out of heaven's directives in accordance with the spirit of the Lord, we're then walking in a place that God can do miraculous things. Peter was like, okay, then wash my whole body. Wash everything, wash head to toe. And he's like, God, stop. You're already clean from your head to your feet. I just have to clean the feet. And, and, it's, and, it's, and he, again, is speaking in spiritual language. And Peter's like, I don't know what he's talking about. But I'm going to say yes. At least he was smart enough in that moment to let him wash his feet. But he doesn't get credit for qualifying because he was spiritually insightful. He didn't understand what was going on. He had no idea. He was the leader of the group. He'd worked miracles. He'd participated. He'd been in the room when Jesus raised someone from the dead. He was so qualified, but he had no clarity. Qualified? I use that term. Do you agree with it? I don't know. I don't know what qualified him, but he was around all of these amazing miracles and all of these amazing things. He participated. He said the right thing some of the time, but when it came to core things that mattered the most to Jesus, Peter is kind of lost towards the end of the cycle of discipleship. Peter, negative two. I'm sorry. All right, what's next? Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. This one didn't work out so well. You guys know this story. This is, this is the story where even if you felt like Peter's good intentions up until this point kind of can gloss over or wash over all of his inadequacies and mistakes, this is the point where Jesus tells him like, hey, all of you guys you are going gonna to go away. We've been together. I love you guys so much. We've been so, we've seen some really great things, but you guys are all going to desert me. You're going to leave. And Peter's like, I'll never, ever do it. Good for him for saying it. Half point for positive, but a big negative one for actually doing it, right? Not understanding what was going on, having so much confidence in himself, So much reliance upon his own ideas and how strong he thought he was. What did it amount to? Nothing. It's a pretty tough story. If Peter were here, I I have to imagine, obviously, the other side of all of this, and we're not even gonna talk about what happens post-resurrection. We're just saying, like, what qualified him to get there? I think Peter would still have emotion over this denial. Go to the next slide, I think I actually have. Oh, no. It comes in a moment. We're going to get to more detail on that. So Jesus predicts the desertion, and Peter, you guys know, he does desert him. So could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Greatest hits, guys. These are the things we think about when we think about Peter's life. You have to think about the whole thing. And when I ask you, is God calling you to do amazing things for the kingdom, and you immediately think of Peter walking on water, but forget all of these other moments... You're not looking at the whole picture understanding you're qualified. Peter was just like you. So Jesus, in the last hour, the, the Romans are coming with Judas. The, the Jewish priests are coming. It was, yeah, it's the Jewish priests, the Pharisees and their guards come. The Romans aren't there yet. But they, they're coming. Jesus knows that he's praying. He's like, Garden of Gethsemane, you guys know, praying blood, that whole scene. And he's like, please stay up and pray. And he comes back and he finds Peter asleep and he says these words. And do you know that this stuck in Peter's head for the rest of his life? It's in scripture. That means it was remembered. This was a private conversation. He didn't yell it and say, write this down. We're going to remember this. He said it to Peter and it, it was so serious. It was so hard. You couldn't stay awake with me for an hour. And you guys know what happens. They look up, and the betrayal happens. Judas is there. Peter valiantly tries to cut off the guy's ear, and Jesus is like, no, no, you still don't get it, Peter. Like, just stay back. You should have been praying. You missed that. Like, we weren't going gonna... to... Okay, and he heals the guy's ear. It's a tough story for Peter. And this is the conclusion of the story on the natural side. Let's go to the next slide. And this one, this is the one. So Jesus said, you guys will all desert me. And this is the one that's like, ooh, this one's rough. Then he began, this is Peter, he began to curse. And he swore an oath, I do not know the man. Okay. I don't know how many negatives that is, but that by itself is enough. If you go, how's your resume? Are you qualified to to do life with God and do great things, be his representative, be his hands and feet, be his face on earth. So when you talk to people, it's like they're talking to me. I think that says no. I think that says no. And not just like a a gentle no, like a, oh, I don't know if it could even get any worse than that. So where are we on the point scale? I've been generous and I think we're kind of even. If you get into it, there's a lot of positives that happen earlier in Jesus's walk, where he's starting to do ministry. But really, Peter's a tag-along during that stage, and he's doing stuff because Jesus is there. He's not out on his own, like Paul was later out on his own. He wasn't like John the Baptist, where he was following the Spirit himself. He was literally just with him because Jesus had said, "Come with me." Stop fishing. Peter was brave, and he stopped fishing. His wife, we don't hear much about her. She's probably home going, Peter, we need some fish. We need some food. They worked that out. So they had enough relationship and dynamic there to where he was trusting that all would be provided for, all would be good. But Peter does not present with this resume where you're like, oh, this is the next Moses. This is the next guy. This is obviously the next hero. Peter presents with a resume with a qualification list that is very strangely corrupt. Now, the question that we started with today, are you qualified to do the great works of the kingdom of the Lord? If you started in your thinking to go down a road of what you have and haven't done, I want to I challenge you. You have to line up your timeline with Peter's. You have to give yourself, not just the benefit of the doubt, you have to understand Peter was physically with the man. He failed over and over to understand. He failed over and over to do. He was compromised over and over and over again in his actions and his heart. Jesus rebukes him and says, get away from me, devil. (laughs) That's a tough day too. We didn't cover that one. That's on the greatest hits list. Like there's these moments where Peter was like, oh, Peter, this can't get much worse. But then we have this sequence of events. It starts to unfold. Let's go to the next slide. I wanna make sure I don't miss any. Yeah, this is the last one. We'll get to this in a minute. We have this sequence of events that begins to unfold. Jesus does die. Peter denies him, yes. The story really shifts to Jesus. He being the center of all humanity's salvation. But in the background, you have Peter who's, who's violently denied his relationship with Jesus, who he'd given everything to for the last three years. He was in a place of terror, of fear, of death. He couldn't conquer death himself because he didn't have it within him to face death for his Savior yet. But he one day would. But at that point, because the resurrection happened, because the insides of Peter was still attached to the successes on earth. He feared his own death over his loyalty to his king. And so Peter fails miserably at the end. But Jesus dies. Jesus resurrects and then word begins to get out. He wasn't there in the tomb. And so when I ask you guys, are you qualified to do the greatest works in the history of your family line? Are you qualified to conquer mountains that your family hasn't been able to conquer? Whether it's mountains of addiction, whether it's mountains of timidity, fear, whether it's depression, sadness, health. If your qualifications are reliant upon what happens before the cross and the resurrection, you won't get there you'll fail. Your heart will will betray your true interests. And what happens for Peter is he gets word that Jesus might have resurrected or he was stolen from the, something is going on. And what does the scripture say? It says, but Peter got up and he ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. You see, it's this point where I want you to identify with Peter. This is the moment I want you to base your whole life on, where you say, it's not about what I was successful with in my seasons of visitation of the Lord. It's about my willingness to be in amazement at the wonder of resurrection. It's about my willingness to run to the tomb and get up from that place of deep depression and sadness. There is no way Peter was anything but absolutely crushed when he gets word that Jesus might have resurrected from the grave because he was still in that place of denial, betrayal. That was cemented into his story. Frankly, never to leave. But there's this moment where Jesus comes and he resurrects and Peter runs and he runs and he runs and he says, I must see him. And I have to tell you guys, there's, there's something about Peter's relationship with Jesus where the longing and the, the connectedness, the, the intensity of relationship was so high. You say, well, if it was that high, he would never have betrayed him. Well, no, people that are deeply in love with other people betray them. The pressures and challenges of life, the fear of death, the fear of failure, the the enticement of riches or the enticement of affirmation cause people to do crazy things. So you, you would never judge someone's true love for another by their perfect actions. God looked beyond Peter's imperfect actions. And see, if you think about it, he he saw his imperfections throughout their entire time together. But he was willing to invest all of the future of salvation for all people that weren't Jews on the shoulders of this one broken, failed, but wonderfully resilient man. And so today, I want, to, I, want to, I want to draw you guys to a place of great pursuit. You see, the thing I think that is most impressive about Peter is he got up and ran to the tomb. He got up because he was hoping he would see his friend. Jesus was his best friend. He knew that, that he would be there. If he wasn't there, oh, I've got to find him. And it's so special because later we hear that Jesus appears individually to Peter. He comes and he meets Peter one-on-one. And he restores all things that were lost, all things that were broken. And later on, he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Effectively, don't continue fishing. If you love me, just go with me. Three times you denied me. Three times I'll remind you. Go in faith and go do with me and all will be covered. All will be restored. And so if you look at that story, you look at this person, you're amazed because you realize Peter's not qualified. He really isn't. He just he dropped everything. Every time he could muster the courage. And he, he, he leapt out. He ran out. And, and I, I want to encourage you guys to understand this. It's not just the first engagement with the lord that requires that like leaping and running out many of you have been saved like for a long long time peter was saved like god had redeemed him like there was no loss of truth about the resurrection if jesus hadn't come back to peter peter would have still believed that he resurrected he would have seen the truth he may not have been a leader but god restored him and it's not it's not just to get us in the door it's about what can we be and who could we be here? We got a lot of years ahead of us. And there's something that is drawing and calling out, and it doesn't just call out like to you individually, but it calls out like across the world. And it's, it's like angels are looking for people whose hearts are like Peter's. Desperately courageous to lean into what they think they understand about pursuing the Lord. And if you're willing, to go to war with what feels like your own failures and disqualifications, and you turn to them and you go, I know (laughs) you're behind me, I know what I did, but so does he, and he's still calling my name. There is no way I'm going to let those moments define who we will be and where we're going. If you're able to revisit that posture of heart you'll be like Peter who was capable of getting up and running to find Jesus at the grave. And you say, well, I've tried, but I don't feel the life and joy and excitement that I once had. I remember it. It was dynamic and special in a season, but I do feel like there's certain motions that I go through. I'll tell you, it wasn't that Peter found him. It's that he went. And he went home and he marveled about the goodness and amazing story that he'd been told for years by Jesus. It was all starting to register and come to light. Oh, he resurrected. That's what this was all about. And so for you to embrace that there's a resurrection story that is the full qualification for your destiny in God. That nothing happens without that resurrection. Nothing happens without you acknowledging, like, I'm not good enough to do anything. Like, I can't work miracles. It's not me. I can't set people free. It's not my knowledge that sets them free. And it's definitely not my track record, my greatest hit story. It's nothing like Peter's. It's nothing like Peter's. But I'll tell you, I, I, I really doubt many of you ever sat and said, like cursed and said, I renounce and I am not one of his. <laughs> That's pretty aggressive. And the, the beautiful part of the story is even if you have, Jesus still saw beneath that surface level of fear that was driving that conversation. Just like he saw beneath that surface level of agreement when he was agreeing with the, with the devil when he said, Lord, we're going to go take over And Jesus was like, get behind me. He didn't curse Peter. He cursed the spirit that he was agreeing with. He saw the weakness. He saw the failure. But understand, you have to start evaluating yourself in the same way God evaluates you. He looks at your resume, and he doesn't look at what's pushing you and pulling you in life at this season. And where your your maturity is really like this deep, but your heart, it's way down here your heart is is so, so to the core committed to wanting God's fullness for your life you can't risk you can't like survive disqualifying yourself if peter were not to have gotten up if peter were to say i'm just i'm out i'm out he probably would have been out he could have argued with jesus again and said, hey, I, you know, <laughs> I know you're here in the flesh, but remember when Moses and Elijah were here? I got other ideas. Like we, we should do different things. There was this thing in him that was so deep and so core. And so where I want to go today, I, just, I want you guys to, to just pause with me for a moment. And I want you to make a request of the Lord. I want you to request that he would draw you to the great and mighty story of his overcoming power and light working through your life to a degree that you can't even really imagine today. It's a prayer, it's a request, and it's not because you see it clearly and understand it, but there's there's a commitment that I want you in, in turn to make. I want you to make the commitment to say, I promise not to disqualify myself. So when you prompt me to lay this career path down, I will not disqualify myself and say, I don't have enough evidence of having succeeded enough to really make radical choices. That's a real common one. Like if I start to see the miracles come, if I start to see or hear, if I have an angel show up in the room, then I'll go do crazy things. God asks you to go do crazy things before all of those things happen 99.9% of the time. And I just really believe he's, he's really marked a number of you. But I I do know you get to choose if you retain that mark. Peter did renounce his allegiance to the Lord. The Lord saved him and came back. But you can, you can shut it down, guys. You guys know this. You can just say, I'm not going anymore. It doesn't make sense. And I just want, I want you to invite the Lord to invite you. I want you to welcome his prompting into courageous faith where your big life choices are determined by your consultation with him and you start to say, I will take great risk. I will go down places and paths that, that make no sense. It's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. And so the most important thing I want you to hear today, you're qualified. You're qualified for an unbelievably epic life of wondrous, working God working in you and through you, to infiltrate society on so many different ways. Some of you will do traditional ministry. Some of you will invent things. Some of you will write things. Some of you will inspire people in workplaces and change work environments. Some of you will, will, will literally invent new vehicles for other people to be employed and other people to, to have hope and life very Christian-like hope in life because you have followed God with great risk. But guys, it requires this core part of you to be in alignment with, that God can do anything through me. And I am not gonna settle for anything but that. And so my, my request today, I'm gonna give you guys just a minute to just, let's, let's kind of take a minute, close our eyes and say, like my prayer for you, and I hope that you can pray the same prayer as God, call me to greater things. Call me to greater things. Lead me into greater places. And I endeavor to say yes and go there with you. I will not, and this is the part I want you to do, forgive me for disqualifying myself. I'm qualified because of your resurrection. That's the truth. End of story. I don't care how I've behaved, how I've performed, how I've failed. It is not part of the conversation because you resurrected for Peter, you resurrected for me. Who knows what's ahead of me, but I today am going to commit to going where you call me to go. And I want it to be big. I don't want average. I don't want to attend church and and just do a normal life. I want to go, go, go. And so let's, let's take a minute and just renew that invitation. okay, it takes one simple prayer and then it takes absolute radical commitment when you get those crazy opportunities to make big choices. And so I, I do wanna give you guys the opportunity. I, I really feel like so much of this has to do with the Spirit of God having reign in your life. It's not just the idea of serving the Lord, it's Him actually having the control and you surrendering kind of on a repeated basis. Like I consistently come back to forgive me for my sins, and like restore to me the joy of my salvation. Like give me great hope in life. And my heart is in a place in a posture of like renewal with the Lord all the time. It's like his presence is in the room and I'm just grateful to be in the room with him. And so I want, I want you guys to understand you can't do it here. It's a combination of here and here. And I know that this is the part that feels a little abstract at times, but this is the part God came back to over and over for Peter. Like, he he wouldn't let Peter go. He could have. He could have. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And he won't with you either. And so, remember where all this started. Jesus is walking along the shore one day, and he goes, you want to get out of that boat? I'll change everything about your future. I'll make you fishers of men. Your identity, who you are in this current state, I love you, I validate you, I see you, but if you follow me, I'll actually change the whole course of the rest of your life. And that's what Jesus saw the day he encountered him for the first time. He knew what was at the surface level with Peter. He knew there was a lot to change and overcome, but he's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of that for you. And so please, when you engage with Jesus in prayer, don't look at yourself, look at him. When you engage with the word, don't look at yourself. Look at the word. When you engage with Jesus in worship, don't look at yourself and what's going on with you. Look at him and believe that all things are possible because of him working in me and through me. And so today, if, if you guys want prayer, just to be like reignited on some level towards great faith and great hope, I want to just pray with you. I want, I want to give you that opportunity because I really believe there's really mighty things that are supposed to come out of this group. It's really exciting to me. And so it does take kind of fuel on the fire at times. And so there's people that will pray with you. I'd love to pray with you, but let's all stand. Thank you guys for being so calm with me today. I know, this is me with a cold. I'm pretty chill. You guys were super chill. Only a few of you fell asleep for short periods of time, which I always enjoy watching. And I would never call you out, but I will call you out later. Not now. I don't want to shame any of you. All right. I love you guys. If you want prayer, come on up. If you, if you don't, give somebody a hug. Thank you for being here. We love you. God bless you.